0: The, the parade of horribles would be, oh my gosh, that would mean the court could make all sorts of choices in the future about, no, 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 no. You don't have a lot of areas in which you've got 18 years after a decision saying you've got to do something.
1: On November 4th, the Supreme Court delivered a decision in the most recent iteration of the long-running Leandro case, which has to do with education funding. In October, Carolina Connections' Walter Reinke talked to experts about the case and what it means for education and government in North Carolina. Today on Carolina Cast, Walter and I are going to talk a little bit more about the history of the case and the Supreme Court's most recent decision. Walter, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So, uh, how did this case originally start? So, in 1994,
2: uh, five rural poor counties—Hoke, Halifax, Robeson, Vance, and Cumberland—all sued the state, arguing that they lacked adequate funding in order to provide an education for their students. In response, the state said that they don't actually have a constitutional obligation to provide funding for education. So they moved to dismiss the case. And the trial court said, well, that's not right. So they dismissed this claim by the state. So it went to appeals court, the state appealed it, and the appeals court agreed with the state. Because the two courts differed, the case ended up going to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ended up deciding in 1997 that the state does have a constitutional obligation to provide a sound basic education to every student, where previously it was just access to education.
1: And just to clarify real quick, this is the North Carolina Supreme Court we're talking about.
2: Yes, the North Carolina Supreme Court. Gotcha.
1: So after that, uh, the court remanded the case back
2: to trial court, and they demanded that the trial court find if there was actually a violation
1: of this now constitutional obligation of the state. So the, the, this first iteration of the case, that just established that like this is a constitutional right in North Carolina to have uh, an ad- adequate education, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, so where did it go from there? Is that, is that right being violated? Why did the case keep going? So after the Supreme Court
2: makes this decision in 1997, they remand the case back to trial court to someone named Judge Howard Manning, who's now responsible for overseeing the case. So he oversees things like fact-finding, research, and hearings— that are all trying to figure out whether or not this new constitutional right to a sound basic education is being violated in North Carolina. So over a 14-month trial, the court is trying to answer one question. Is the state complying with the constitutional right that was found in the 1997 case? After the trial is over, Manning decides that it is being violated, and eventually that decision is appealed to the appeals court and eventually the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court agrees with Manning, and they say that yes, this
1: constitutional right is being violated, and the state must fix that. Gotcha. So by, like, 2004, the courts have ruled that there's a constitutional right to a sound basic education and that the, the, the state's not living up to this obligation, right? That's right. Gotcha. So where does it go from there? So after the case is given back to Manning,
2: he continues to hold hearings after the 2004 decision in the Supreme Court. But this time, it's about the state and how they can fix their violation of the constitutional right to a sound basic education. So until 2016, the state constantly creates new programs to try to be in line with this constitutional right, but Manning consistently finds that they're not doing enough. But in 2016, Manning retires, and he's replaced by Judge David Lee, and this is where the case really picks up. In 2018, the state and the plaintiffs come to an agreement to bring in WestEd, which is a nonpartisan education research company out of California, and what the role of WestEd is to assess the state of education in North Carolina and offer recommendations on how to fix it. So WestEd finishes their report in 2019, and they found that the state was even further from living up to their constitutional obligation than they were in 1997, the date of the original case. So in 2021, using this report, the state developed a plan called the Comprehensive Remedial Plan to address educational inadequacies in North Carolina by essentially providing more services to low-income schools to poor school districts. The plan comes with a price tag of $6.8 billion over the next eight years, and they come to an agreement with the plaintiffs, and Lee orders them, the state, to implement the plan.
1: Gotcha, so the court makes this plan with the state, and with the plaintiffs, everyone's on board, then what happens to it?
2: So Lee orders the state to implement the plan, and the state has to constantly come back to Lee and report on their progress. So when they're coming back to Lee during hearings, they're saying that they're trying to implement the plan but they don't have the funding because the legislature refuses to fund the plan. So in 2021, Lee orders that the state treasurer move money from the budget surplus in North Carolina to fund years two and three of the Comprehensive Remedial Plan. He argues that the courts have given the legislature decades to live up to the state's constitutional obligation when it comes to education, and they have not, which gives the courts the authority to remedy this constitutional violation through the transfer of funds. The treasurer refuses to move the funds and goes to the Court of Appeals, who eventually sends the case to the Supreme Court.
1: Again. Yes. So it's back in the Supreme Court for the third time now. So why doesn't the legislature want to provide these funds? So the legislature,
2: which is controlled by Republicans in North Carolina and has been for several years, uh, already thinks that they're providing a sound basic education. They think that they've met their constitutional obligation, and they think that they're funding education enough in the state. So they don't want to use taxpayer dollars for this plan because they just don't think it's necessary. Gotcha.
1: So how do they get you know further involved down the line in this case?
2: So up until this point, the legislature was certainly aware of the case. Lee was very open about bringing in WestEd to do the report and about the comprehensive remedial plan. But it's only when Judge Lee orders money to be moved to fund the plan that the legislature actually gets directly involved in the case.
0: Most of the decisions about the use of money belong to the General Assembly appropriately. They should be making choices about policy, about whether to spend more money on roads or more money on public education or more money on highway patrolmen or whatever, welfare benefits. But if there's a constitutional obligation that is not being met,
2: it must be maps. That's what the Constitution requires. So I spoke of Jack Boger, who is a former constitutional law professor who has been a part of the Leandro case since its inception, and he said that the legislature's argument is that the judicial branch has no right to order the transfer of funds. So in this iteration of the case, it is essentially the original plaintiffs, the school districts, and the state board of education and governor who all support the plan versus the legislature who do not want to fund the plan and do not want the courts to force them to transfer funds.
1: Right, okay, so... The outcome of this case decides whether the courts can order the legislature to transfer said funds. Essentially, yes. Okay, so what's the the argument in this version of the case?
2: So on the side of the plaintiffs, they argue that the judicial branch has every right to order the transfer of funds, given how long the legislature had the opportunity to do it themselves. The defendants, on the other hand, say that the Constitution clearly says that they are the only ones, them being the legislature, that can appropriate and transfer funds, not the judicial branch. So the main argument in this case has to do with separation of powers. However, there are other major arguments that were talked about during the oral arguments. One of the major arguments from the legislature is that no statewide violation of the constitu- constitutional obligation was ever found. The defendants argued that trials were supposed to be conducted in school districts throughout the state, that every school district needed the trial to figure out whether or not the obligation was being violated. No trials were ever conducted. The plaintiffs argue that Hope County, where trials were actually conducted, was a representative county, and thus a statewide violation does actually exist. The other main argument from the defendants has to do with the switching of the parties in the case. If you remember, at first, the case was between the school districts and the state, namely the Department of Education. Now, those two parties are working together, and they're on the same side. And since court cases are supposed to be adversarial in nature, the legislature says that that's a problem.
1: Gotcha. So it sounds like to me, at least, the, the main issue here is, is the separation of powers issue, right?
2: Yes. Well, there are several arguments between the plaintiffs and the defendants about different things, but the main point of contention is that the judicial branch is ordering the transfer of funds, which is a power that is normally only reserved for the legislative branch.
1: Okay, I see. So on November 4th, the Supreme Court finally delivered their decision in this most recent iteration of the case. What would they say?
2: So on the 4th, the Supreme Court delivered a 4-3, split-on-party lines, decision in favor of the plaintiffs and the Comprehensive Remedial Plan. That means that four Democrats voted in favor of the plan and three Republican justices voted against it. This means that the judicial branch is, in fact, forcing the legislature to fund the plan. However, nowhere did did they guarantee funding the full plan. Instead, they again remanded the case back to trial court, and the trial court now has to recalculate the amount of funding given to the plan for years 2 and 3, based on the funding already given to education in the state's most recent budget.
1: Okay, so it's not over yet.
2: No, it's not over. It's back in trial court again. I see.
1: Okay. So why is the decision important? What does this mean for, you know, the case going on in education in North Carolina?
2: It's certainly a win for education. More funding is always a good thing for schools and for students uh, in North Carolina. But it also reaffirms the constitutional obligation of the state to provide a sound basic education was decided all the way back in 1997. The Supreme Court is also saying that the judicial branch does have the authority to force the legislature to move funds, albeit in extreme situations like this one where the state was not living up to their constitutional obligation for nearly 20 years, and that could have ramifications for future cases. I asked Boger about this and he said that the power this gives the court is a lot more narrow than some people think.
0: the the parade of horribles would be oh my gosh that would mean the court could make all sorts of choices in the future about no 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 you don't have a lot of areas in which you've got 18 years after a decision saying you've got to do something
1: so speaking of the future future implications republicans just took back control of the supreme court uh in in the midterm elections uh they'll have a 5-2 majority starting in 2023 what does what does that mean for the future of this case
2: So as I mentioned earlier, the decision was 4-3, with all four Democrat justices voting in favor and all three Republican justices deciding against the plaintiffs. Since the case was sent back to trial court, there is a very real chance that when the trial court makes their decision, again in how much funding is going to be going towards the plan, that that will be appealed and make its way back to the Supreme Court. Now that the Supreme Court has five Republican justices and has a Republican majority, those new Republican justices are likely to vote the same way as the three that already sat on the court, meaning that there will likely be a new decision and probably reversal of this most recent one in the coming
1: years. Gotcha. So it's definitely not over for Leandro quite yet. Certainly not. Got it. Well, thanks for joining on the show, and thanks for uh, explaining this for us, Walter. Thanks for having me. You can hear more from Walter and all of our other Carolina Connection reporters on our website at carolinaconnection.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Will Christensen. Thanks for listening.